0: Well John, it's been quite the exciting week or two here, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has. Um yeah, a lot of stuff going on. We're gonna address some of the, the news lines here. We are. Yeah, we're not
0: gonna ignore the elephant in the, the room. room. Yes. Yes. No
1: football to talk about. No you know. football. No oh, we'll,
0: sports. We're talking. Well, I don't know the straight market. South
1: here. Carolina women's team is number one in the nation. Still, I'm just hey, saying. Hey, I mean, you my know, hat's off to them, man. I mean, something that's, positive. That, they, you know, out there. South
0: Carolina always has some great sports team like yeah. that. You know, it's just not football. <laughs> it's just not football. Sorry,
1: man. Sorry. Thanks for the reminder.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but. uh, you know, but yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of things today, and uh, one of them would be the virus thing something going on. called something,
1: Corona, right?
0: Something going on. Yeah. yeah, we're going to talk about Coronas, and it's not a beer. Yeah. Um, So yeah, there's there's a few things going on. Having said that, you know, we have some great topics to talk about, too. Um, You know, and good news, retirement may cost less than you think. Oh, really? That's right. That's yeah. good news. Yeah, we're going to talk about an article out of uh, you know bottom line personal, and uh, a lot of people are surprised, you know, that they're thinking, you know, this 80% rule that you need 80% of your pre-retirement income mm-hmm. in retirement, and um, they find out that's not the case, John. And, it's different I mean, for everybody. It is different for everybody. It is. But we're going to talk about some of the reasons why mm-hmm. you may not need 80%. You may need a lot less than that. It's a really good article and a lot of insight there.
1: Yeah, and we're going to follow mm-hmm. that up with a discussion from Swab about uh, uh, planning. And, you know, Steve, as we go into, as we transition into talking about the coronavirus, it's so important to have a good financial plan. Absolutely. It kind of refocuses you. It's a long-term type type deal, but we're going to look at some faulty planning assumptions that you want to make sure that you uh, incorporate or don't incorporate into the, the process, and it's, uh, they're pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, they really are. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years.
0: We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. A lot of videos, a lot of tools out there, so check that out. Also, a Facebook page, MoneyMD, post a uh, weekly prescription of the week out there.
0: Yeah, that's right. And we'd love to hear from you. You can link to us right on our website and email us any questions you have, and we'll talk about those on the air. Speaking of questions, yes, we're going to address the very first question here right up front. Yeah, we're not doing the financial fact we We're not going to do the fact. We're going to jump right into the question because yeah. we know you have questions out there, Yes, and it has nothing to do with retirement.
1: Yeah, right, well, sometimes it's (laughs) kind of correlated a little bit. Right, it is
0: definitely correlated, but it's probably to do with the stock market and this virus situation, so give it to us, John. Yeah,
1: so the question is, and we're hearing it a lot, and um, certainly uh, welcome your questions on this, is uh, the uh, coronavirus and the market's certainly been volatile. Uh, Any advice? And uh, I'll tell you you know, these times are tough. I will say that the plan, the planning process that we use and do incorporates negative years into that process about 25% of the time. So, uh, we never know where, when and what causes the negative year. And let me just state, just because the markets have turned negative doesn't mean it's going to stay negative the whole year. No That's one right. knows. That's right. We, we've <clears> seen in 2009 it started down 20% and ended up 30% positive. So you just don't know. This isn't a discussion about how the markets are going to do from here. It, it's just a realization that markets are down and the reasons are different every single time. And they typically bounce back fairly quickly. And so you got to have a long-term yeah. focus.
0: And I I will say when markets are down, you know, typically there is about a 25 percent chance that continues and it gets worse. And there's about a 75 percent chance it recovers pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the odds are in your favor for staying in the market, not panicking, not taking some kind of, you know, big move to try to time the market um, because it usually does turn up. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can look at the headlines on the news and say, you know, all this time's different and we know this is going to get worse. And it might, but you know, history shows that. I mean, history is littered, literally, with events Hundreds that cause the market of to drop. Yeah. You know, into correction territory, even bear market territory. But the market uh, has recovered a hundred percent of the time from those.
1: Yeah, it has. And and when the markets are uh-huh. down like like they are now, Steve, and you're in retirement, most people have bonds that they're able to pull from, right? Right. To get through the down markets, and if you're if you're not in retirement and you're putting money into the market, uh, we are doing rebalancing quarterly. We look at that periodically. Also, the dividends. A lot of people don't think about this, but when you have dividend reinvestment, it's going back into those funds and those stocks when the markets are low. So if you can add some shares when the markets are low, it's actually a good wealth-building activity. <laughs>
0: it's an incredible opportunity Man. to add money. And, you know, I think we can take a cue from what, by most people's accounts, is the who is the most notorious investor in the world. Yeah who spoke up this week, Warren Buffett.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Homer Simpson. Well, no. yeah, he's notorious, for not, yeah, not, not for, for investing. investing. Okay. Right,
0: right. <laughs> now we're talking about Warren Buffett. And, you know, what was his advice? His advice was don't sell stocks. This is not the time to sell. You know, just think long term, stay invested, add money if you can. I mean, that was basically his advice this week.
1: Yeah, some, some clients are actually going more aggressive and putting money into this. I and mean, No one knows... Where the market's going to go, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. But, you know, the planning process, I'd go back to that. It's long term. We build in, you know, difficult time periods. You have to have a process to handle these difficult situations.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, I, and my advice would be don't focus on this. You know, find something else to occupy your time with. You know, stop looking at the stock market and the daily ticks and the drops in your account every day. And start thinking long term because, you know, in my 25 years of doing this, John, I have never yet seen a person that sold during one of these downturns that bought in lower.
1: Yeah, I haven't either.
0: They never got they always get back in at a higher price. Because the stock market is a leading economic indicator, it reacts very fast to news, and you you don't feel good about the economy and where things are until the market is already at a higher price.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that people forget on this, and this is really important, is it's really, at the end of the day, a, a share game. The share price obviously comes into play but it's the number of shares that you have and when the market drops you still have the same number of shares and if you're doing rebalancing and you're doing dividend reinvestment or contributions you can add to that share total so when it does recover that's how you build wealth exactly so you hang know, in there
0: so bottom line is <laughs> hang in there stop focusing on the on the noise and the minutia and all these you know events that are driving the market up and down and uh, you know just focus long term I and mean, this is a time to turn your attention long term and you know don't let your emotions get the mo- the head of it, the uh the control of you, of you the yeah. best of you um during all this volatility, and so that's our our uh answer to good the question. question of the week. A that was a lengthy answer it was a lengthy answer, but I felt like it deserved a <laughs> yes, a good answer because we've had a lot of volatility here and uh who knows? So there you go. All right. And that leads us up here to our first topic, John, and that is retirement may cost less than you think. That's good news. Uh, it's really good news. Again, this is out of Bottom Line Personal. Michael Finke um, is author here. But uh, but, John, you know, I mean, people always worry about how much they're going to need in retirement and and for good reason. I mean, it's it's difficult to know how it compares to pre-retirement for a lot of people Um you know, and it's easily easy to wildly miscalculate how much money you're going to need, even if you're already retired. Because, I mean, you can have, you know, a lot of things change in retirement from pre-retirement. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you can have major consequences that that change those things. Um, but if you underestimate how much you need, you might retire too soon and. You know, you might run out of money um, in retirement years. But if you overestimate it, you might keep working longer than you need to. And you might deprive yourself of those trips and, you know, restaurant meals and enjoyable endeavors that you have planned for, you know, retirement in your bucket list. So so you want to get the number right. And, you know, many financial advisors suggest, you know, the 80 percent rule, you know, which is kind of a just a big, broad rule of thumb that you'll need 80 percent of your pre. Retirement income, your gross income, um, in your uh, in retirement. Um, so that means if you had a hundred thousand dollars of income before taxes before retirement, they're suggesting good again just a broad rule of thumb. You need maybe eighty thousand in retirement to avoid having to cut back on your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, but you know, research actually suggests something uh, a little bit different than that, and it suggests that uh, people can um, you know actually have less than eighty percent and still live a comfortable life, and actually an average of sixty percent of their last year's gross income in the first few few years of retirement is a pretty reasonable number, and that's going to you know d- uh, vary obviously ranging from forty percent for some people um, with you know high incomes to one hundred percent of those with uh, low incomes, and. I'll tell you, if you can get rid of some of the mor- mortgage debt <clears throat> and have no mortgage at all and no other debt, sixty um, percent is probably going to feel pretty comfortable.
0: Yeah, I, I, I sit down with retirees all the time, and you do too, John. That you know that have their house paid off, as we suggest, by retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, amortize it, get it totally paid off before retirement, and that makes a huge difference. And those people can retire with usually, you know, even fifty, sixty percent of their pre-retirement income because they don't have the huge house payment. Maybe they have no car payments, totally out of debt, you know, and, and then you ha- only have your, you know, your your expenses, your regular living expenses to worry about. And then you're traveling and that kind of stuff. So it makes a huge difference, but it varies widely mm-hmm. for, for individuals. And that's why you got to have a plan. You can't really live by one of these rules of thumb. Um, but, you know, traditional guidelines assume that overall retirement expenses remain fixed every year or even rise due to increasing medical expenses. But they don't necessarily do that, John. I mean, what studies have shown is that typically the percentage of pre-retirement income that's spent each year in retirement starts to decline steadily by about 1% per year in retirement, um, which is an interesting fact, I thought. Um, You know, in fact, by the time retirees hit their mid-70s, increasing, you know, physical limitations, Um, And just lifestyle changes cause the average spending to start to fall by about 2% per year in their 70s. Um, So research has found that, you know, by age 85, overall expenses tend to be about... A third less than when people first retired. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. That's a big number. It's a big number. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So it really does decline a lot more yeah. than people than people thought.
1: Um. And I know we, with the planning we do, we go out to ninety five. I mean, we're exactly you know, we trying to be conservative when we do the planning piece of it. But uh, that that's a third less is a that's a big number.
0: It's a really big number. Yeah. So I mean, you need to focus on your spending. You know, that's the key here. Um, you know, the best way to estimate your retirement spending is not to look at your income, but you know, how much you actually spend each year in retirement um, a year or two before you retire. And that, that sounds straightforward, but the research has shown that many people actually have a very poor idea of how much they spend and what they're spending it on. So a detailed spending analysis is really one of the keys to 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 really having a, a handle on how much you're going to need in retirement. Gosh, you're talking about a budget again? Oh, stop! I wasn't going Come to use that on, word, man. John. Man. Not Come on. the B word. It's a spending plan, <laughs> spending plan, a spending analysis. What we called it.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's basically looking at your your must haves, right? Right, <clears throat> the must haves, right. and you know, you've got uh, groceries, insurance premiums. Uh, transportation, property taxes, utilities, uh, also include essential expenses, um, that may not happen on a regular schedule, like clothing, uh, medical deductibles, home and car repairs. And, um, you know, then you, so you look at your, your non-discretionary. Most people, if you don't have a mortgage, it's going to be between 2000, maybe 2500 a month of things that are going to happen. You have to have that money to live. And then if you have some additional above that, it's discretionary.
0: Yeah, that's right. Discretionary is is very important, um, you know, and so those non-essential expenses, you know, they range from cable TV bills to gym memberships to, you know, restaurant meals, gifts, vacations. Um, that's a really important item you need to be able to itemize and, and figure out, you know, how much you normally spend on those things. Um, and technology, you know, can make it easier to monitor all those kind of things. For example, I mean, if you Um, Use mint.com, you know, that's a great app, you know, that automatically kind of downloads your credit card statement or your your uh, your your um, bank statement and categorizes those into your budget and can give you a pretty good idea, you know, on a month to month basis, what you're spending on all those different categories. Um, But, yeah, we suggest people really break down, you know, their credit card Mm -hmm. bill or however they normally spend those things. Um, On their bank statement, you know, if they're using debit cards and and figure out where all those single items are going, because that's that that's going to be the key.
1: Yeah, another step here is looking in, at future expenses that are going to decrease or even disappear in retirement. I mean, business clothing kind of goes away. Mortgage payments hopefully is, is paid off. I know that's one of our goals. Uh, education costs for children. They're past that point. Um, maybe downsizing to one automobile, moving to a state with no income taxes. I mean, there's a lot of different costs that actually do decrease, and people do travel more when they first go into retirement. But that, like you said, drops off as well. So,
0: Yeah, another thing that drops is taxes, John, mm -hmm. in retirement. You know, um, state taxes here locally in South Carolina and Georgia are a big deal. Um, And once you're over 65, you get a very nice – uh tax break um on retirement income in Georgia and South Carolina so that usually drops way off um but federal taxes go down too right i mean you're not having social security benefits coming out of your um uh, out of your paycheck you know for retirement income you're not paying medicare taxes anymore so you know we find that taxes Drops significantly in retirement. So that's another factor to put into your budget to to realize that it's going to go down. And only
1: part of Social Security is taxed up to 85 percent. So that's right. Exactly. Yeah, That is a big deal.
0: It sure is. Yep. Yep. And so then you need to adjust the estimate of your expenses that are likely to rise in retirement because there are going to be some of those as well. Um, They include things like travel, entertainment costs. In your initial years of retirement, your health care related expenses might go up. You know, although we find a lot of people it actually goes down when they're on Medicare, you know, um, because the deductibles are pretty low on Medicare. And and so it just depends on your situation. But uh, on average, though, health care cost for a 65 year old woman is likely to that's going to live to 87. They'll spend one hundred thirty thousand dollars on health care. So it is a big figure. But a lot of times that's covered by insurances and things like that, and it's not necessarily all out-of-pocket. Um, but, you know, it includes premiums, co-pays, deductibles, out-of-pocket expenses that Medicare doesn't cover. If you have a Medicare supplement, that's a big help, <clears throat> and that would cover a big portion of that. <clears throat> um, Eighty five, uh, A 65-year-old man that lives to age 85 is likely to spend about 115000 on health care. So those are big numbers. You do have to have a plan for the medical expenses, know how that's going to be covered, And know what your situation is going to be like in retirement, and, you know, do you have long-term care covered is another factor.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, one of the mistakes that some people make is overestimating actually how much Medicare is going to cover. So you may assume when you turn 65 that all your costs are covered, and uh, Medicare pays for about 62% of recipients' total health care costs on average. You know, out-of-pocket expenses include Medicare co-payments and deductibles. Uh, there's also premiums on supplemental policies, such as drug coverage. And there's items that are not covered, such as uh, dentures, hearing aids, and eyeglasses. So if you plan to retire early, um, you know, you might have to pay for private health care insurance until you reach the age of 65. So that's a big it's a big expense. You have to have that one figured out before you pull the trigger. But, um, you know, there there's obviously some costs built in for health care.
0: Yeah. So you got to pay attention to health care costs and, you know, how that affects retirement. But overall, you know, the bottom line is you may not need 80 percent for retirement. Um, You may be able to to make it on 60, you know, 70 percent. You need to do a plan. That's Mm -hmm. really the answer here. You know, you can't just uh, just assume that these broad numbers that are thrown out there are going to apply your situation. Everybody's different. And the big factor is whether you're going to have all your debts paid off, you know, and that's what you want to shoot for. And that's going to if you if you're in that situation, you're likely going to need less than 80 percent in retirement. <clears throat> so um, that leads up here to our fact of the week.
1: Yeah, well, we're doing this in a little bit of reverse order, but now I'll make this quick. This comes from the Reserve Bank of New York. And, you know, Steve, we see, uh, you know, the economy's been good. Times are uh, are booming in most places. Um uh, you know, certainly last year in the last couple of years, the student loan debt in the in the United States was 62% larger than credit card debt um, <clears throat> to $1.5 trillion for student loan debt and about $930 billion for credit card debt. And both of those are all-time highs. That Those aren't good stats.
0: No, that's not. I that's mean, a lot
1: of debt. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I really believe when, when things are going well in the economy, you know, there's very low unemployment, you've got to prepare for difficult times. And Instead what we see these stats basically say people are loading up on debt during good times and when when we go through a recession at some point in the future who knows when that's going to be you know it, it it exposes folks.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so you just got to watch that, you know. I mean, we've talked about student loan debt a lot and you know, making sure that your kids and your grandkids get an effective education but you know, don't don't really, you know, mortgage their future for their college loan, you know, own college loans. Um, so just, you know, going locally a couple years and really making sure that they're getting a degree where they'll be able to pay back the loans is very, very important. Um, in credit cards, gee, we talk about that a lot. I mean, that's just, you got to just cut them up. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have the plasticectomy as, Plastectomy, as, Dave, as says. Uh, Dave Ramsey <laughs> says, exactly. I mean, um, you got to get rid of the credit card debt and only use a credit card if you're paying off every month. Um, even that can be dangerous. So you just got to be sure. you got to be careful with with those debts. But good fact of the week. And that leads up here to our next topic, and that is the seven faulty planning assumptions to avoid. Um, Yeah, this This, is a good
1: good article. It is. This is out of Charles Swab. And, um, you know, there's always going to be unexpected hurdles. I mean, we're going through one in the market right now. Um, We see people with careers that take a turn for the worse. And Maybe the child's education is costlier than you expected, and and so there's there's seven items here, Steve. The first two I'm going to cover pretty quickly because we just talked about them. But uh, you know your expenses in retirement, you've got to understand that. You've got to match that up to what your budget's going to be before you can retire. You've got to know what that looks like. So don't don't underestimate. Um, you know your expenses. Go through and do a detailed analysis of that. Basically, is the is the uh, recommendation. And the second one is Medicare costs. You got to understand what your medical costs are going to be going into retirement. So if you're, you know, before 65 or even if you are 65, you've got to understand where you're going to get your medical coverage from and the cost and the copays and the deductibles because you've got to build that into your plan.
0: Yeah. And most people <clears throat> get a Medicare supplement to cover all those deductibles. And I think that's something you really need to check into. Um, and the big thing is, you know, Medicare part. Part B, I think it is, you know, doesn't have a limit on the 20 percent copay. Mm. And so that that can be a very big number if you end up in the hospital, you know, and you have some major surgery and you got to cover 20 percent of it. It's not like a regular insurance plan cap. That, that has a cap, yeah. right? So that's why you need a Medicare supplement. So you need to look into that, and that, that's a big factor.
1: Yeah, and so the <laughs> the uh, third faulty planning assumption is um, you'll be able to work as long as you want. We hear that, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to work till 65 or or 70. And, and the reality check is nearly 8 million uh, older Americans are in search of work, or they're stuck in a low-quality job, and that's according to analysis done by the Wall Street Journal, so, you know, rerun your savings projections, look at an earlier retirement date. So if 65 really is your number that you want to go out at, look at 63 or 62. And if you, if you can hit that goal and you still want to work great, but we see people that are being retired out of their jobs. Maybe it's health related. Maybe they get caught up in a workforce layoff but don't don't assume that you're going to be able to work later in your 60s because the stats basically don't support that. So be a little bit more aggressive on the date that you're going to retire. And if you hit that goal, you can still work.
0: Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. Um, and so, you know, the next assumption that, that um, might be faulty is I should play it safe with my investments in retirement. Mm. Um, you know, so, I mean, although a conservative retiree's portfolio might be 20 percent stocks and only in 80 percent fixed income, um, a bigger allocation of stocks can help offset the risk of outliving your savings. And so, you know, a retiree with 60 percent allocation of stocks is able to take a larger withdrawal than, say, a retiree with 20 percent allocation of stocks um, and have the same you know amount of confidence that their money is going to last for 20 or 25 years. Um, so, you know, the but what you need to do is you need to have a plan and you need to recognize how much income you need from your investments in retirement. And if you have plenty of income, maybe you can be more conservative with your investments. But, you know, if you're planning to take a four percent withdrawal, John, then you're you're probably gonna need, you know, fifty or sixty percent exposure to equities to make sure that you cover inflation and, and you create enough income that you can make that withdrawal and still have your money last. Mm-hmm for, you know, 20 or 30 years out in retirement. So everybody's different and your situation's different. You got to have a plan and the plan helps drive you to, you know, what kind of allocation you need, how much risk you need to take in retirement. That's one of the big factors.
1: Yeah. Number five here, (laughs) uh, faulty assumptions is you can deduct the interest on your mortgage. And, um, you know, the tax law changed and uh, unless you are itemizing, then you can't deduct. So you can either do one or the other for a married couple uh, filing jointly. It's in the 24 to $25,000 range. So, you know, if you're, if you're not, um, you know, if you're not itemizing, then that's not going to be a reality. So that was a big change from the past. You need to take that into account. Assumption number six, that is sometimes faulty is real estate is always a safe investment. And like any asset, home prices, you know, can go down as well in October of 2008 for example, home prices plunged um, a record 18% year over year, and that was measured by the uh, Case-Shiller Index. And as a result, a lot of borrowers suddenly owed more than they could hope to recover um, from a sale. So they had to wait a lot of, you know, many years for the market to recover before they could consider selling their homes. And it um, really compromised their ability to to make, you know, life changes, going to better jobs because they were underwater on their mortgage. So, you know, real estate typically, you know, is slow and steady up, but um, not always. So you can't bank on that.
0: That's right. So their recommendation is, you know, view your home as a place to live, not primarily as an investment on par with stocks or bonds. Um, Real estate prices in high-demand markets, they could rise quickly, but – you know the majority of homes take years to appreciate enough even to recoup the closing costs and the improvement costs in your home so above all you know buy within your means don't don't put more money into a property than you can reasonably expect to recover or that you can afford you know try to eliminate any mortgage debt before you retire make sure you're totally out of debt and you know don't don't bank on your house you know being some great investment
1: yeah, and the last assumption here, um, Steve, and we see this, education debt is always worth it. And uh, the reality check is, is, uh, you know, mounting student debt has been cited as one of the main reasons why so many young adults uh, can't afford to buy a house or start families. Uh, a record, you know, 9 million federal student loan borrowers were in default in 2017, with a million more uh, borrowers expected to default every single year. So you got to look at higher education <clears throat> as... Something that is important, um, but it's not all about the return on investment. Um, you know, you got to look at the major that your your child is going to choose, the salary potential, how are they going to pay that debt back? Um, you know, we have a really great um, resource on our website. It's from the um, Federal Reserve Board, and it shows the majors, the number of people that are getting grad degrees, uh, the the salaries, and so forth. So you can kind of start looking at. Hey, it's not all about the money, but you also want to fit into something that's gonna, you know, you're gonna be able to live from a financial standpoint. So you got to look at a lot of different ways to finance education. Go local, you know, work during the the, uh, the 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 summers and so forth to pay for it, but try to stay out of student loan debt. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's a huge deal. You definitely want to uh, make sure you're getting a. A good, effective education that's worth the amount of money that you're, you're you know borrowing, and you want to be very careful about student loan debt. So, good, uh, good final point there, and that leads us up here to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week.
1: And this fits in a little bit with the discussion we started off about uh, the coronavirus and this may be a good time to dust off your plan. If you haven't done a retirement plan recently, go back and take a look at it. Um, you know, the, the plans that we do, we build in uh, negative years to the process. So when a negative year happens, it doesn't just blow up or explode the plan. Uh, we definitely need to have positive years in there. But um, the other thing to, to look at is just kind of reevaluate your allocation. Um, you know, maybe now is a good time to do some rebalancing. Maybe if you have some bonds and you're a long-term investor, selling some bonds and going and buying some stocks may be appropriate for you. So just use this as a reflection time. Um, you know, if you need some help with your situation, you can certainly reach out to us. We'll take a look at it. But, um, you know, don't panic. Don't make emotional decisions on what's happening in uh, in the world.
0: Yeah, think long term, you know. Um, you know, get a broad perspective, a history, your long term plan. Step back, you know, stop looking at the... The trees, look at the forest, look at the big picture, you know, in your situation. And, uh, you know, don't focus on the markets and these day-to-day gyrations and this, you know, downturn that we're going through. And, um, you know, long term, it's all going to work itself out as as history has proven. It,
1: it always has. I mean, it's, um, you know, they're, like you said, they're, the uh, history is, is littered with events. Um, that uh, no one can predict. So uh, the reason to invest in the markets is the the long-term potential uh, appreciation. And we're not trying to predict the markets here. We're just trying to give you some encouragement. Exactly. So,
0: All right. Well, that's been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions at info at MoneyMD.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great
1: rest of the week. Have a good one.
0: This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.